friends, I'm Fiona Lewis. And I'm Gwen Crabb. And welcome to the Say It How It Is podcast. Connected by Vodafone. We are on a mission to bring taboo topics to light and change the narrative. Being vulnerable can be tough, but we're here to show you that even those at the top of their game, be that sports, coaching, business or medicine, go through the same struggles, problems and issues as you. But just a quick disclaimer, we are not professionals, just two rugby players sharing our own experiences and stories, having open and honest conversations with some amazing guests. If you are affected by any of the topics discussed in the podcast, please do contact a professional. And now, let's get into today's episode. Well, here we are. Here we bloody are. Yeah, well, um... Welcome to the first episode of Say It How It Is podcast. I can't quite believe that we sat here. I know, this is a little one. bit of um a little bit of a surreal moment. Yes. Exactly. Sweating, can't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweaty palms, knees weak, arms are heavy, and all that. Um but yeah. So today's episode is gonna be about meeting us guys as your hosts, uh, and getting to know us a little bit, getting to know the the why behind the podcast. Yeah, Beyonce's just looking at me. <laughs> I need you to speak now. Well, I was just listening to what you had to say, Gwen. Oh, yeah. Isn't this going to work well? <gasps> okay, right. We need something to kick this off, otherwise we're going to be sat here. Oh, well, I think the first bit is all right. Yeah, no, it's, it's just the start, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. Right. Well, so yeah, well, it's called "Say It How It Is" for a reason. If we want to start that off, yeah. So say say it how it is. The name of the podcast. How. How did you come to to that conclusion on the name for the podcast, Leon? Well, people that do know me, they know me quite well. Very lucky people. <laughs> well, no, I'm very, very honest. Yeah, pretty much. Like, well, I might either love it or you hate it. Yeah, very, <laughs> but, very literal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm very savage. Um, so, yeah, that's why I was like, well, it's a term I use quite often. I always say to people, well, just, just say it how it is, man. So I was thinking, well, what better way to name a podcast with topics that, you know, we want to discuss to just, just say it how it is. Exactly. And what what actually made you want to start a podcast? Very good question, actually, Gwen. <laughs> uh, so basically, brief overview, which I'm sure we'll get into later, but a dummy ACL in the end of Six Nations um, against Italy, complete ACL rupture, three tears of my meniscus, compression fracture, you name it, I've done it. And I think... The way I thought I'd feel after having such a big injury being a rugby player, um, I kind of thought, oh my gosh, my life would be over. Uh, and I actually had a completely different perspective after after it actually happened. And then shortly after that, I had another surgery to find out that I got diagnosed with endometriosis. So those two combined, yeah, it was quite mentally challenging. Um, and I spoke out about uh, my endodiagnosis and the response I had was massive. It really was quite overwhelming because I felt quite anxious about sharing something so vulnerable. But, you know, the amount of women that, you know, messaged me explaining about their own experiences or things they're struggling with, um, you know, they've been fighting for years to try and get a diagnosis or even like mothers with children that said that that's what they're going through or women at the age of 40 explaining about their fertility issues because of the, the disease. Um, it was really quite, yeah, I say overwhelming, but really made me realise how powerful that could be. You know, I was so w- worried to speak out about about what I was going through and, and sharing that information, but I didn't realise the impact it could have on so many different people. And just by doing that, 
the amount of people that have messaged me, even like close friends, I've gone to get seen now and actually been diagnosed um, really made me think that that's just one topic and one issue in this scary, crazy world. Like what more can we speak about and discuss with other people that can do such help for others? So that kind of was an idea and where I started thinking about it. Like, okay, speaking out about it, the response I had, this could be something really powerful. Where can I go with it? Um, and that's what started the idea then to be like, all right, what about a podcast? What about getting people on and sitting with people that are like me in that sense, but I've gone through something, you know, something quite traumatic or something life-changing and how can that story help other people? And I was thinking, okay, I had the idea of a podcast. Who can I do it with? <laughs> I think obviously I thought like, of course I could have done it by myself, but I think it's really important to have that different perspective with, with somebody else you know, having those open uh, and difficult conversations and doing that with someone that either has similar experiences or different or has different view on different things, I think is really important. So that was a, that was a, yeah, a question for me to think, who can I do it with? And then lo and behold, mm-hmm. enter Gwen Crab. <laughs> and she thought, who, who, who really going to talk in? <laughs> me. Um, yeah. So just going back to uh, touch on some of the stuff that you just covered, I, what I find really interesting is like how you said about how you were quite anxious and worried about sharing your story because potentially you thought maybe that other people didn't go through a similar thing or that have similar experiences within that, like that field of endo, for example. But like sharing, I think it's it's almost like flipped your perspective on it a little bit in terms of you you've now seen the impact that your honesty has had on other people in the same position as you does that yeah. make sense no yeah massively like I can literally remember being sat on the sofa and one of the girls was was with me and I was like staring at the Instagram post and I was so scared to post it mm. and I sat sat on that post for an hour and I was like gonna post it and I kept putting it off can I and ask why what was it do you think that made you so scared I was so anxious about like I don't know, I was anxious about people thinking, oh, shut up, like, mm. I was anxious about people think, thinking, like, I didn't realise it was a big issue, yeah. and that makes sense, like, I, like I've struggled for so long with my periods, and which again, we'll delve into the people that maybe don't understand what endometriosis is, but it's basically a condition that, lining of the womb that grows, like, outside of that, um, and give, what I struggled with was bad periods, fatigue, um, and then being an athlete, it, yeah, it made my life ten times harder. But I and I, I think I've protected that because I didn't want to be deemed as weak. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be like, you know, let my, I'm in a team sport. I didn't want to be like making excuses for certain things. Oh, you know, she can't do fitness today because she's just moaning. She's got a bad belly. Like, so I think all of those things were like playing on my head. And I was worried about the response. I was worried about what people's reaction would be. But I think it's because I didn't understand until I shared it how big of an issue it was yeah, and how many people it actually yeah, affects 100%. yeah 100% and like and, and that was the eye opening thing and as soon as i done it it was like a re- like i it was like a weight of my shoulders because i was like oh my god like obviously it reassured me that i did the right thing but i, I was then i was so glad because so many people reached out to me but before then i didn't have a clue that like all those people suffered like i didn't even like a few months before, I didn't even know what endometriosis was. Yeah. And now I've learned, like, how many women suffer with it. It's actually crazy. But, yeah, it was. It, I took a few days to really, like, especially after my surgery, like, once I officially got diagnosed and, like, it took me a few days to really, like, process it all because it was quite overwhelming because I'd gone from, like, one emotion towards it being anxious and being worried and then the complete opposite by thinking, like, 
Why was I so scared? And like, what was I worried about? Empowered. I yeah, 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 yeah. And I kind of felt like a sense of responsibility then. I kind mm. of felt like, right, I've done this now, and you know, people are really connecting with me, and like, I got to keep this going. Like, yeah. I need, I need to. If you know, if someone needs to be the change in this, and like, like I say, like even if I help just one person, and that, that that's good enough for me. But help, you could, like, if you've got the opportunity to change one person's life, then why wouldn't you do it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, just really then to inspire my brain to be like this this needs to be bigger than just this topic and I think this is then where this podcast stemmed to to be like there's so many different you know topics taboo subjects that need to be spoken about and if this is the way that we can connect and help people by getting people of like different sporting experience or backgrounds or high profile people to really show that you know we suffer from these things too and how can we help your everyday person you know what I mean um, but yeah, that's why, stemming <laughs> onto the point of why I asked you to, to co-host this podcast with me. Yeah, a bit of background on Gwen, I'm sure you'll explain yourself, I'm going to explain for you anyway. Uh, Gwen also had a similar injury to, uh, injury to me, uh, Daniel ACL as well, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And um, we've been attached to the hip throughout these last few months, yeah. going through um, our rehab together, because we're both fortunate enough to be professional rugby players. So yeah, spent a lot of time together. When I've been crying in the gym <laughs> because I'm so sad about certain things, Gwen was always there to pick me up. Um, hold her hand when she's doing uh, some hamstring exercises. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd always get a text of Gwen of, of really t- after really, really tough days to remind me that, you know, that I'm strong enough to get through certain things and how amazing I am. And yeah, that's why I really, really respect her and really value her opinion and, and her mindset of how she's got through so I'm going to start crying now. I'm going to start crying as well. <laughs> this is a claim, disclaimer, because we're being honest. I'm very do on my period. Emotions are good. <laughs> Emotions are high anyway. <laughs> um, but no, like you are an amazing person and I couldn't think of someone better to do this podcast with. Um, we are very aligned with our values um, and where we want to go in life. So I can't think of a better person to do the show with me. Bloody hell, how do I follow up from that? <laughs> Well, just explain, I think. Okay. Explain of like... Take it back. (laughs) Take it back now, y'all. Obviously, I mentioned that, you know, you've got coming through your ACL. Obviously, just give a bit of background on that because obviously the people that don't know you um, experienced a really difficult injury before that as well. Um, Like, how hard was that for you to, you know, go back to back with those two injuries? Yeah. So, we'll start from the beginning, basically. So, um, last December, so December 2022, I suffered a ankle injury I or an, an ankle injury I should say if we're talking about correct grammar um where I snapped my fibula and displaced my foot um and at the time I had no idea the significance of the injury really because I would had ankle ligament injuries before so I was like oh it's just one of them again kind of thing I was on gas and air that kind of vibe <laughs> you know you're fine um and we, we went to A&E and um they x-rayed me and I was just like, right, happy days, get the x-ray, it's not broken, leave. And then uh, the lady came back, it's like half ten at night, and she was like, you- you're going to want to get into a wheelchair. And I was like, well, I'm not going home. And she was like, oh, come with me. And then we went into the results room and she was like, so you've broken your fibula. And she showed me the x-ray and I was like, oh, that's, that's broken. That's not good. That's not good. It's not and meant my, to be there. My foot was like out of place as well. <laughs> oh God. And uh, she was like, yeah, so it all happened very quick, but she was like, yeah, we're going to need to put this back in now. And I was like, right, yo. So long story short, they didn't put back in place the right way. So then they were like, you need to go to the big hospital, um, et cetera, et cetera. I ended up having surgery on it. 
um, and it was like something that needed to be done instantly. So that all happened very quickly. Uh, and then I just remember like post-surgery, I'm like, I've just had surgery on my foot. Like it was, it was such a whirlwind. Um, things started to settle in then when I was like back at home in a lot of pain, I was like, okay, I need to, I was in a bit of a bad way, like losing my independence overnight. Like it was, it wasn't fun. Um, and then over the next couple of weeks after that, I sort of bounced out of that, um, little bit of a hole I was in, changed my perspective and mindset towards it. I was like, okay, this is happening to me. I've got an opportunity now to try and grow and come back stronger as a, as an athlete. You were very positive, to be fair. You were very positive coming back from that. It was weird because I'm not really quite sure how it happened because before that, I can recall many times, for example, last preseason where I was like, oh, I'm aching, I'm sore, this is is a bit crap. Like, But something just flipped where I was like, right, the more I see this as crap, the crapper it's going to (laughs) be. So I was like, okay, let's just get on with this. And I think I had the Six Nations to focus on as a comeback point. So that was always looking at that date everything was counting down to the date of coming back and it allowed me to see quick progression through my rehab I think also in terms of a bit of perspective I was around uh, a couple of girls that were coming back from ACL injuries so you you almost feel grateful that you're not going through that because that's a longer injury how long was it from when you had your surgery to when the Six Nations date was it was about 14 weeks I think Um, so when we looked at time frames originally that was way out of sight because I got put in a cast and then they said that was for six weeks. Then there was going to be six weeks in a boot, but we went into a specialist and because of the environment that I was in, in terms of the professionalism and that kind of stuff, we, everything got shortened down and all of a sudden within six weeks I was walking again. So I was very fortunate in that sense. Um, so again, more things for me to be positive about. I was like, Oh, this is way better than I thought. And then, yeah. So the week leading in into that first six nations game, I felt, felt ready physically anyway, Mentally was a little bit of a different story. I was still a little bit in my own head about getting re-injured. Mm. Every time I went into like the same scenario of how I did my ankle, I was worried that it was going to go again. Spoke to our sports like Dale, who is an absolute saviour to the both of us. Um, and yeah, sort of got over that. Good to go. A lot of hype around like return to playing and stuff like that. I think I allowed myself to get a little bit too caught up in that uh, and then got selected to start that game. Uh, came out into the field buzzing, probably the most excited I've ever been for a game uh, in my life. And um, and for the for the first six minutes, that was great because it meant. <laughs> don't, don't. But um, yeah, like you know, I was I was buzzing around the place, like I was enjoying myself. And then, unfortunately, I just came out of the line too hard. I basically my foot planted the wrong way for like a change of direction. Um, scenario. I'm pulling a face for all of you that can't see my face right now. <laughs> and. Um, a player stepped back inside me and my knee went and I actually did my other ACL six years ago. So I've, I know exactly what doing an ACL feels like. So as soon as I did it, I knew instantly it was my ACL. And that was, that was really hard in that exact moment to get your head around because sometimes you do an injury and you almost try not to think the worst because you don't know, but I knew, like I I knew. So I, I was just saying to the, to the physios, like, I can't do this again. I can't do this again. Like, Instantly, I went into a state of panic. All I'm thinking is I could be out for up to a year. I can remember your dad was in the crowd and we sent him down to go mm. on to yeah. go and see you. It was, and he was like, she don't want to see me. No, and I didn't. <laughs> he was right. Um, but yeah, I was just going, no, 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 no. Like, this can't be happening. And they were trying to keep me calm, but I was like, no, like, 
I can't, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it was weird. And then eventually came off the pitch. Um, I was like, do not put me on a stretcher. So they let me walk <laughs> off. Our physio, Joe, was saying, was saying to me, actually, yesterday, she was like, I remember telling Gwen, Gwen, stop crying. They're filming you. Stop yeah. crying. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, little did I know, three days later, when a media release went out for it, it was the most horrific picture I have ever seen of me in my entire life. It was awful, but I was like, it's fine. It's fine. There's bigger fish to fry here. Um, and yeah, so we went into the the physio room, like the medical room, and I was just in bits. Like I couldn't quite get my head around it. And that that kind of continued for about a week after I did it. I was in this really weird stage of like denial. But then it was like going through a breakup. Like yeah. it was like I, I'd broken up with my rugby career. That's what it well, felt like. I think it's probably because you obviously had that ankle injury beforehand and you built yourself up to return and then... You know, yeah. you sustained another injury, which unfortunately is quite a long, yeah. if, no, obviously longer than what your uncle was. Yeah. Um, how did you think then, how did you create like your mind to be as strong as it is now? Because obviously if you're in that dark place, like, how do you get out of that? Like what made you change and like switch that mindset, mindset to be like, okay, like, what can I do with this? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, I think. I've always been a big podcast listener. I enjoy reading and I like learning things from, from what I listen to or from what I read. And the kind of books that I would re- was reading were, and the podcasts I was listening to were very much around mindset and how you can sort of flip your perspective on things to actually create a life that's a bit, that's better. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the time these books come from people who are not in sporting scenarios. So they're just talking about in terms of life, but I was trying to think down the, the roots of injury and how and it was it was weird because after that week or so where I was in a bit of a bad way and just spontaneously crying like it was like weird I started to like come out of it a bit and just see it for what it was and essentially the facts were I had unfortunately had an injury that was straight after another injury if that injury had been in a year's time it would have been unfortunate but it would have been less unfortunate it just was the timing that that yeah. made it seem so bad and I was having people saying to me, like, I just can't, I can't believe it. You poor thing. You must be, you must be distraught. And like, that wasn't helpful for me because I was actually, well, actually I've got my head around it. So to be fair, that's what I found as well. Like people were saying to me, oh, time must be going so slow. Or, oh, I'm so sorry. You must be gutted. Well, yeah, of course I'm gutted. But like how I thought I'd feel and then how I actually felt were like completely different. Because I kind of felt like, well, it's happened now. Mm. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, I can't control it. Can't, like, magically fix it. And I think how I try to view it, I don't know if it's similar for you, was like, okay, all I can control is how I react and respond to it. I could, you know, delve myself into the self-pity and feel sorry for myself and hate the world and blame, and play the victim, be angry. The only person that's going to affect is me. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was like, well... It's a long damn time. And with an ACL, for people that don't know, you're out for, you couldn't be up here nearly out for a year. Nine to 12 months, yeah. is it? Yeah. So it's a long time. So it's a long time to be angry and feel, you know, it's a lot of time to waste. So I kind of thought to myself, right, I need to just get on with it. Like, okay, what can I use this time for? Like becoming a better athlete, becoming a better person. I thought, you know, spend more time at home with the dog. Yeah. It's the sole centre of my life. <laughs> um, like, just using the time, like trying to flip it and be okay, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Like, and that really completely flipped. And I was like, that is actually it's really powerful. Yeah, actually I'm actually fine. Yeah. Um, 
And the only thing that I found difficult with, which is which you know, <laughs> was when I went back to training like two weeks post stop. And the only thing I found hard was the lack of independence I had because the injury I had, um, I was on crutches for nearly two months. So that was, oh, that was so hard. Um, couldn't do anything myself. I like, am just sitting in a room full of people in the gym. Yeah. And I still felt so lonely because I was like, I just feel so helpless. But other than that, from like the mindset thing of actually the injury itself and the time I was out for, I was like, well, it is what it is. Yeah. Can't, can't do anything about it. Coming back to what you said about like, what can I do? That is a literal mindset shift. And it's a lens that you can choose to see things in. And I think it's not a case of trying to sit there. Okay, I need to be positive today. It's just, it just becomes like a, a bit of a way of life, yeah. I suppose. Like I, I now don't look at things. I'm like, what, what opportunities or positives can I see in this? I just view it that way. Yeah. And I think... Weirdly, my ankle was a, like a, a good warm up for my knee because and it's <laughs> prepping something, you. Like yeah, here, well, you come, Gwen. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm, I'm not going to say everything happens for a reason because I think it's a bit complex. But like, as far as things go, it's actually it's weird, right? I have so many thoughts in my brain right now, but it's weird because externally, some people might say this. Oh, it's one of the worst years of your life. Yeah, like, you poor thing. You have literally been injured the entire time. I've I've spent six minutes this year not injured, but. It has been one of the best, if not the best year of my life. And I think that that is because of the lessons that it's taught me has allowed me to start opening my eyes to things outside of rugby. And one thing that injuries can teach you, there's so much more to life than rugby. Yeah. We are, we get so caught up because it's our day-to-day life. Like my best friends, they're all in the same environment as me every single day. Everyone lives and breathes the same thing. But actually there's so much outside of rugby to enjoy and having the time especially like across the summer, like after my op, um, across the summer, having loads of opportunities to do things I never would have been able to do if I was fully fit and and if I was playing in finals and semifinals. Not once did I think, gutted, I'm, I'm missing the, the final with Gloucester Hartbury. Like, obviously, in a dream world, I'd be playing. However, I didn't think, oh, this is this really sucks because mm. I was like, I, I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying what else is outside of rugby. Well, I felt exactly the same to be fair, but I didn't expect to feel like that. Yeah. So like pre-injury... You know, ACL is like, oh God. It's literally it's like the Voldemort you don't, bring, you don't word. mention, yeah, it it's is. It's Voldemort you don't word. Say, yeah, word literally, of, you don't mention that. Yeah. Like, but how I actually felt, and like, same for you, like you said, I didn't miss, I don't miss it because I'm trying to like, you don't think, think about it. it. I think people forget that like, you know, people always say like, oh, you live in the dream, you don't, you don't work and whatever. I'm like, my job is a 24 hour thing. Like I plan my life around how I can perform and be the best athlete for rugby. Mm-hmm. Like, how I sleep, how I eat, my weekend plans, like think about how much time on my feet, like everything revolves around that. I go home, so I think about because it's all like it's a it's a lifestyle, not just a nine till five job. And I suppose this time made me kind of just relax a bit rather than just living and being uptight and just thinking like, yeah, just just scraping it all back and thinking, okay, like what do else do I appreciate and like I said you do get you said like you do get so caught up in it yeah um, you go, I guess you go you get into a little bit of state of autopilot like like you said everything is you live and breathe to become a better athlete and it's not until you have something that completely gives you a hard stop and interrupts your routine that you actually are like whoa what am I doing like I need to reevaluate here what is important to me what makes me happy like what what are my values because that's something that I've worked a lot on whilst being injured is that like there was this really weird thing in a podcast where he said um i can't remember who it was but the horse said imagine there was a group of aliens watching your day-to-day life 
and then I want you to write down your values on a sheet and get if you could to give that to the aliens as they watched you. Do you think that they would say that those values align to what you're doing? And that give me a complete, I was like, wow, like, is what I'm doing in my day-to-day life what I say are my values? And actually, I think the reality of, of it is, is that 95% of people's, that would, the answer would be no. Because people are like, yeah, I, like, I, I want to be family orientated. I want to, I want to be a good friend and that kind of stuff. But, but then they spend all of their life working or doing this and that mm-hmm. and the other, you know? So it, it proper shakes you up and makes you be like, Wow. And I definitely think, like you said, like everybody else looking in, like, again, what you said about people saying to you, oh, it must have been the worst year of your life. And similar to me, like on the back of two surgeries in like a space of a few weeks, um, everyone's saying to me, oh my gosh, like you've been through so much and da da da. But I don't look at it like that. No. And I don't know why. I, I, it's only like actually you being one of them. Like people have tell me what the last few months have been like for me. And I'm like, oh God, that does sound intense. But it's really strange because... I don't look at it like that and I can't really explain how, why, or like, I just, it just doesn't, hasn't phased me in that sense. I've just kind of like got on with it really. Well, I guess when it's like, when these things happen to you, you don't know any different. So you're just going through your life. You you don't actually have a direct comparison life to think, oh, what would life be like without endometriosis, for example? Because it's all you've ever, like, it's, that's what you've known. So then sometimes it takes someone who's not going through what you're going through or even someone like with the ACL stuff, like someone who understands to to actually stop and say, like, you do, you do, you do realise that you're actually doing a very good job because... I think it, as a human race, it's probably one thing that we're the worst at is giving ourselves credit for things. And unfortunately, there are a few people out there which are who are like the opposite end of the spectrum of that. And like arrogance is a different thing. But I think a lot of people don't give themselves credit where it's due because, well, and you're very a bad at that. Uh, very, very, very bad. bad. <laughs> very bad. But how important is it then to have someone yeah. or a couple of people, family, friends, whatever, to just say to you, just just to let you know, you are actually smashing it. Do I you think know we're I mean? just very bad at taking it. Like, you could compliment me yeah, or give me some there. good... I, honestly, some tough... And some days, I'd say probably three out of the five days, or even four days of in training, Gwen will text me afterwards telling me, like, how much of a great job I did. I'm really bad at just... Yeah. T- I'm like, oh, okay, but but I didn't hit this in my in my rehab. But I think because being in such a high-performance environment... Your brain is just drained, yeah. like, not drained, sorry, drilled to be like that. And yeah. I'm, I re- I'm like a high, I'm a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. It always reminds me, right, there's not, you know, you can't find perfection in this and this and that. And it is quite hard, but you do need to be brought back some, down sometimes. And like, um, it is like, I'm one to give it. Like, the same for you. I'll always try and tell you you've been great and stuff it like does, that. But it's then really I'm, cute. but I'm terrible at <laughs> taking it yeah, back. Yeah. But it's just, it's just like, it is completely different. It's, it's like you can easily compliment a friend or someone else, but as soon as like, then all of a sudden your own internal talk is is like, yeah. oh, you did that wrong. That wasn't good enough. Like, it's weird because when you're speaking to a friend, you'd never speak to a friend like that, but you'd speak to yourself, yourself yeah. like that. But it's it's just, it's one of the unknown mysteries of the world. But I think that's what's helped us uh, really connect with each other. Like, gosh, I've, I don't know what I would have done if, you know, unfortunately in a fortunate way there's a few of us in our team at the moment with ACL injuries um not that you know you don't want people in your team having them anyone but but (laughs) like the positive side of it if that's a weird thing to say is that like gosh we've been out each other's support haven't we like it's really helpful there's times in the gym if I use me and you as an example 
I'd come in and Gwen would be, you know, upset and emotional at the beginning of the session and I'd be bring, getting her through it. And then towards the end, <laughs> roles reverse yeah. and I'm crying. When we're on, <laughs> and when we're on rep 12 of the 18th <laughs> block of exercises. And everyone's like, why are you taking so long? Because I've got 50,000 sets to do. That's why. <laughs> I can't phase, move from this bench. I have to sit still. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's but, um, like, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's an unfortunate injury it's not an injury you wish upon anyone but having people who are going through the same thing at the same time it gives you that those people to just look like you sometimes you just have to look at each other and you just get it and you're like yeah. i know exactly i know because i felt like just that the understanding day. isn't it like the good and the bad like and especially when you know you're there to celebrate each other's small wins which other people wouldn't understand like balancing on one leg yesterday yeah. I was like this is amazing yeah. it was it was actually class it was like um, a smile and then <laughs> being there for when we need to pick each other up and yeah. I think that's huge not just in you know we're giving our example um, but I just think daily life like just, just being there for people and lifting each other up when they need it kindness um, is free that's what people need to remember it like it literally costs nothing to say to someone you're doing a good job but everyone's so caught up and it comes back to what I mentioned about it like being injured just creates a a complete stop in your routine and you have to think about things and you takes you off that autopilot but it makes you realize that like you just get so caught up in in your own life and sometimes you need to stop and actually look at the people around you and and say to them like you're doing a good job because 90% of the time they're not going to know that themselves unless someone like you says it to them and know that but then it works vice versa like it does with us like when if i need a pickup fion's always there like oh, like always and it's it's weird because like I could text you or you could text me and it's what each other needs, but without even knowing it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I said, send, send we've come a, a long way. We have send a TikTok and Fiona's like, I needed to see this. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually like, really true. Yeah. yeah you and did I'm that like, the other day. Like, oh, it's as if I knew. <laughs> Telepathy is weird. <laughs> She'd just pop up somewhere in the, in the veil where we train and she like, and I'm like, Oh, I needed you then. She's like, I just knew. Well, it's weird. Knew. <laughs> when you so this is actually true. When I was in the gym and I was like, oh, I really need water. I don't. I literally can't find water anywhere. And we went to a different part of the Vale, and Gwen just popped up. I've got you a bottle of water. I was Little like, I don't know. She already had a bottle. Was, <laughs> but in your face, like, that's exactly what I needed. <laughs> but it's just looking out. It's just looking yeah, out for each other and, and having that understanding of. I know how isolating an injury can feel. And coming back to what you mentioned on, you know, you can. When you're injured, you can be in a room full of people, in a gym full of people, but still feel like the loneliest yeah. person there because you're just looking around. And you're like, it's almost as if it slows down. Yeah. Everything around you slows down, and you're like, these people are just getting on with their lives, and I'm just sat here waiting for someone to pass me a dumbbell. <laughs> it felt like a film, right? It yes. just felt like you know when the film just all keeps moving around. You're just like stuck, and that's how it felt. And I was starting to feel like, oh, you must be getting so annoying because each day I just be crying <laughs> sat in the gym just crying because i'm like oh because i in real life i'm really like i'm a very like i say at the beginning i'm a very serious person very independent i don't need no man or no woman i'm independent so then to then take all of that away and i can't even go and pick up a pathetic dumbbell yeah. oh for goodness sake yeah oh like it was awful yeah, it's, and it's, i couldn't get horrible. used to it I, I and like to be fair you what i found hard was that a lot of the time we were training with other people that were injured, but I didn't want to depend on them. They've got their own things to think about. But like in an injured environment, everyone wants to help each other. I was like, oh, just ha- ask me and I'll help you. I was like, I don't want to because no, you've got your own thing to worry about. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we should start giving a bit of a background on on our lives, give people to get to know us a bit more. Okay, 
gosh, we're going deep. We are going and deep. All of a sudden, this turned into a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. I'll say could be out of contract now. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, yeah. So, like, obviously, rugby is a big part of where you are now. Like, when did you start? Where you are now? What's your big plans? Yeah. Tell us. Wow, lots of questions. Um, yeah. So, I actually didn't start playing rugby until I was fifteen. Uh, I actually played football from pretty much the age of three until I could walk. Like, uh, from, not until I could walk, <laughs> from when I could walk. Um, I played football. I was always a mascot with my, my dad's team. Um, he was a goalkeeper and I used to, like, stand behind the goals and be like, come on, dad. And, um, yeah, he took me every week and then naturally I started playing football then. Um, I became a goalkeeper as well because I wanted to be like him. And, yeah, it just clicked. Like, I had a bit of a natural talent for it, I suppose. And, like, my dad, we used to go down the park and, like, train together and it was... Yeah, it was, that's how we became really close, me and my dad. Um, I was always really sporty growing up, literally would do every single sport possible. Um, and I just was like the most competitive kid you've ever met. And which was in primary school, you're in a small bubble, that was completely fine. And then I went into from being like the, the big fish in the little pond to being the, the small fish. And it, it, honestly, like it hit me like a ton of bricks going into secondary school because I was... I was very unapologetically myself and I always had been, which wasn't an issue in primary school when you're in school with 200 people. But when you go into a school and there's like a thousand kids, everyone's got their own opinion and Mm. kids can be very horrible. And I got bullied a fair bit when I was in school for being different, essentially. Um, But I had this weird confidence that even though people would bully me and like take the mick out of me and stuff, I would come home and be like, Says my mum, I just don't understand why they don't like me. (laughs) It's it's weird, right? Because that is literally what I'm like now and I haven't changed. Um, Do you think that is why you're like that now? So do you think like, you know, Gwen is quite open on social media and quite like, you're just very open, aren't you? And Mm -hmm. do you think that is why you like that now we've got this confidence to be like I don't care what people think yeah. I'm proud of myself and, I, and I'm you know do you know what I mean is that do you think that's what's that stem from yeah definitely like I've when I was like 12 13 I literally did what I wanted because I wanted to do it and I didn't ever think about other people's opinions and then as I grew up a little bit and I, I started to change like I was quite a chubby kid so got bullied a lot for that and then I lost a lot of weight when I was about 14 15 so just before starting rugby and that's where I started to struggle with like body image, body dysmorphia and that kind of thing. But I, I thought in my head, I was like, right, well, maybe kids will stop bullying me now because, you know, I look, I look normal or like I, I fit in, which was a completely wrong perception to have of myself. But actually the complete opposite happened. And then they started to bully me for being too skinny. Oh, and I was like, sake. I know. And and then cogs started to turn in my brain. And I was like, right, there's always going to be a problem. Like people are always going to find something to pick on you for or to, you know, to pick on your appearance or whatever. So then I had a weird conflict where I had confidence in my abilities and I was always really confident in in my, like going to school, university, everything. Like I knew that I had the ability to do things and I was confident in it, but then I wasn't confident in the way I looked. And then that was like a, a really weird conflict because I had never really struggled with that until I got skinnier, which was odd because it's the opposite to what I thought would happen. And then started rugby at 15, literally fell in love with the sport from from session one. And 
I just sort of, after a couple of months, I was like, I don't want to play football anymore, which was hard for me to tell my dad, bless him. <laughs> I never think, would have thought your dad was a football oh, hooligan. Absolute football hooligan. Because I think your dad's a rugby pause, commit till yeah. he dies. Pause the, pause the story on, on the rugby progression, but he's a football hooligan. Like, is he? Yeah, like to the point that where when I was like eight years that. old, he took me on a bus to watch Swansea versus Leeds United, and it was my first experience of seeing first-hand football hooliganism. <laughs> and there was like police and riot vans, and I was just like, what like what but, it was mad it's not what i see on tv so, exactly right so that's the end of that story uh well that's for another day but um yeah started playing rugby and i was like dad i play rugby and he was like he's always very been like very supportive of me so he's like not a problem he drove me all over the country to different countries came abroad like He's not missed a tournament abroad or anything like that. He even came to watch, didn't he? When you got injured, he even came to watch us still, even though you weren't playing in the games, didn't he? Yeah, so I, I'm, like, so fortunate to have him. To Like, he's not just my biggest fan, but he, whoever is involved in me, my team, anything, he's the, he is their biggest fan. Like, And he just travels around the world, like, basically spending the money that he makes in his business. He just spends on coming to watch us which is I mean he's living the life all the parents live the life don't they but um yes so that's how I got into rugby and gradually over the sort of last eight years my image on myself my body image has very slowly but surely improved because of my involvement within rugby and because of being able to go to the gym and be taught how how my body moves and why it needs to be the way it is to be able to perform on the rugby pitch. And it's crazy looking back. I like looking back at pictures when I first started rugby. I was about 52 kilos. That is nuts. Yeah, and I started off and they put me on the wing because I was tiny. And and then I was a bit nuts. I was like running around the place, like just trying to tackle everything. And they were like, well, maybe, she, maybe she'd be a back rower. But I was literally tiny. Like how I didn't break then. I always think back, I'm like, how did I break then? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't break then. And then I put on now 40 kilos. And I'm stronger, but I break now. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, and it is mad, like 40 kilos. Like, that's a, that's a small human. A small human on me. Like, I think you, what, yeah, you can say 40 kilos, but I think you, the difference is you were doing it for a purpose, wasn't it? Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're full time now, you're a full time athlete. The type of position you play, like, needs to fit a certain spec of, like, okay, you need to be strong enough to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're doing it for a purpose, really, aren't you? Yeah, and I was always so scared to put on weight. Like, Weight yeah. controlled my life. Like 100%. I, was, I can I can resonate with that to be fair because yeah. I'm how you are with your body image now and how like you know you're like confident with like you're happy and comfortable in your own skin. I'm not there yet, and yeah. that's one thing I look and I'm like I want to get to that place. I don't know how how to get there, but I don't I, know how I got literally. Here. I think yeah, it is, and it, I think it's just a female thing in general. Yeah. Is that like you know like I look at the scales and I'm like oh god, I want to get above that number. Yeah. Like oh gosh, I want to be heavy. Like for my position stereotypically quite small and then I'm coming in with like yeah. big legs and sh- big shoulders and I'm like oh god I'm gonna, I don't, don't want to be this big big back mm. <laughs> so every, if we ask people who don't know me like what position do you think I am I get hooker really back rower or a centre and I'm like no I'm none of those <laughs> Everyone just gets my mouth. Second row for me. my mouth, and everyone's like, yeah. "Okay, oh, you're a <laughs> But yeah, no, like, oh, gosh, it's one thing that I've always struggled with is like how I look and how I feel, and I could be like seven kilos different, and I'm if I'm even taking seven kilos light, I'm still don't see the see difference. It. That's one thing that actually I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember there being a um, 
there was a picture that I took during during lockdown, just when lockdown lifted, and I was probably about seventy three kilos, which is very That's lighter than me now. Quite yeah, <laughs> so it's like very lean in lockdown. I was training a lot, you know. Did we fit lockdown was the leanest I'd ever been? I actually had abs. We didn't have to think about playing rugby, did we? No, wait, I was training all the time. I was getting like 20 plus thousand steps in. Exactly. Training probably two or three times a day, like crazy. I was so tight on my what I was eating. Yeah. Like... at the time. Yeah, like a little tiny little ice cream, like this big was like a cheat. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. So I I took um, my ex-boyfriend. He was... We went to the beach and he took a picture of me. And I remember looking at it being like, I can't post that. I can't post that. Like, I've got a roll of fat there. And I was, and I genuinely made me really upset seeing that picture. And then about six months later, rugby season started back up. I put on about six kilos or so over that, over that time because I needed to for, for again, for my position. And I looked back at that picture and I was like, oh my God, I am, that is the shape of my life. <laughs> And it blew my it's mind. Crazy, it isn't blew it? my mind because I literally remember going back to that day thinking, I look I look awful, I can't post that. <gasps> so I posted that picture on that day on Instagram and I said, Here's a picture of me six months ago. On that day I thought I looked horrific and I could not post this picture. I'm now posting this picture to tell you all that you don't appreciate your bodies for what they look oh like my gosh, right 100%. now. Hundred percent. Like I just feel like you're never gonna be happy. Like that is hundred percent me. So now obviously post two surgeries. And however much months I'm in <laughs> in my rear process, I've put on some weight, which I'm very well aware of. <laughs> and like, I just think back to like, what, like eight kilos ago? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> as if you're talking about time like that. Yeah, there was a like, time eight kilos ago. <laughs> where I like, where was, I had an used to be, yeah, yeah one, one <laughs> tiny one, like on the side. <laughs> but like, like I used to think, look at them and be like, I'm, oh gosh, I, I'm fat. Mm. Oh gosh, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, I can't post a picture of my sports bra because. Or I look, I look big or whatever. And I look back to those pictures and I'm like, oh, my God, look yeah, at my waist. Exactly. And I just think that like, don't get me wrong, I've always struggled with that. I've always felt uncomfortable with how I look and stuff. And like, before being in this performance environment, like you, I was so small, like in my age grade stuff, I literally was tiny before really got into the gym and my quads started to grow. <laughs> but, but like, so I've always kind of felt really uncomfortable with it. But I look back now and I'm like, Oh my god! Why wasn't I happy with that? Yeah. Like I just feel like you know, you, you, like never why can't yeah. we be like, yeah? What is the? It's like, what needs to change in that sense to be like? Oh, nothing wrong with us. We're fine. Yeah. yeah, it's the. For me, it was the goalposts are always going to move mentality, right? So I'll be happy when yeah, I am definitely sixty kilos. I'll be happy when I look in the mirror and I can see a six pack or, or I can abs. fit into a size eight jeans exactly right. or whatever but you get there you get there so say this example right say you're 65 kilos I'll be happy when I'm 60 kilos okay so you, you lose 5 kilos and then you go you're still not happy oh, you so want to lose two more I just more. got that little bit of yeah so what I've realised now is that I don't have a I'll be happy when because and injuries are a big thing in this as well because the amount of time that I wasted with my other ACL when I was 17 I wasted a whole year because I was going I'll be happy when I play again. And then I realised I've just lost 11 months of my life. Yeah. And I was sad. I actually found a picture the other day. Um, it came up like on a memories and it was like four months post-op on my other knee. And I was cr- like, it was just a picture of me crying. I remember taking that picture being like, I'm going to take this to like look back on. And I was like, I haven't actually cried. Like I don't, I've not experienced that this time. Yeah. And a lot of it is down to the, I've not got a, I'll be happy when, because I'm happy right now. Because literally it's the little things for me see it's the wake up in the morning 
oh, it's quiet in the house. That's nice. That makes me happy. Then go and make myself a coffee, go and sit outside in the sun. Literally, I'm like, if nothing else goes to plan today, I'm content. Like this is, and I think having those little things that make you happy and that allow you to like internalize the happiness. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being like, I'm happy with how I look now. I would like to lose two kilos and look a bit lean, but you're doing it from a place of, I want to better myself, not I hate myself. Yeah. And like, you, or like, I won't be perfect until I am two kilos lighter. Or whatever. Like perfectionism is a myth. That's what she says all the time. <laughs> no, 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 I think that is pretty powerful to be fair. Yeah. Like that's sort of mindset. Um, and don't get me wrong, right? It's not perfect all the time. Like, Never I, is. Well, because perfectionism is a myth. <laughs> but, um, like, there, there will be the odd day, and I actually notice it a lot with my hormone fluctuations with my cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, especially building up into my cycle if I'm a little bit more bloated or I just feel a little bit more fatigued. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I don't today's one of them days kind of thing. But the way I get around that is I put, put a comfy top on, put something a little bit back, which I'm sure you can... Yeah, and to be fair, that's why I feel like I've where I'm growing as a person now with my you know insecurities. Where like, yeah, my jeans don't fit since yeah. since my two surgeries. My jeans don't fit, and I'm yeah. kind of like I could have been like, which I would have been like, but a year ago, a year ago, me would have been like, oh my god, you fat bitch, yeah, like what the hell? And I was like, hang on a minute, give yourself a goddamn break. Yeah. Also, right, would you, you ever say that to your friend? No, I wouldn't. If exactly. you said to me, you just don't said, fit, I you wouldn't. Fat bitch. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you're right, Gwen. Can't even be, can't even be insulted. She's, that's actually quite true. Um, but no, like, you ago me would have been like, oh my gosh, that would have put me in a hole. Mm. And, I, and I found myself nearly going to be like, oh God, this is terrible. However, I was like, how can I make this scenario better? Just went, What can you control? I went and put on a baggy dress. Exactly. And then I was like, I got no jeans, but hopefully it doesn't rain because I'm going to be in a dress. Yeah. But I was just thinking like, that scenario, like, okay, it's this is this is just the scenario I'm in. Can't do anything about it. Only thing I can control is okay, being more accountable what I eat and like being a bit more proactive in certain things. I can do that, but it's not a quick fix. So the quick fix for right now, okay, what's gonna make me feel comfortable? Yeah. But something that actually fits me on. <laughs> but like I think that's just a bigger picture thing and like especially with rehab journey and like stuff like that, thinking, okay, something doesn't go to plan which it never does when you're, you know, you're recovering from, yeah, from surgery. So, yeah, no. But it's all about, okay, can't do anything about it. What can I do? What can I control? And that's definitely been what I've taken and learned a lot from throughout these last few months in just daily life. Um, and like I said earlier, like I've really realised that the only person I'm, that's, the only person that's going to affect if I'm feeling negative and crappy and moaning about everything is me. Mm-hmm. So, and... I think people need to realise more that, like, you are the only person that is 100% going to be a consistent in your life for forever. Yeah. And, like, it's weird because we, we give a lot of time and effort and energy into friends, into family, sometimes into strangers. I do that all the time. I'm too nice to people, I think. Like, I, oh, yeah, I put so lesson. much, like, time and effort to help people. And then I think, hang on a minute, why, why do I not give that same level of care and thought to myself? Because I, I am the only person... It's going to be there from the minute I'm born to the minute I yeah. die. That's it. <laughs> but I think that was something that really, again, was a mindset shift for me, really, because I kind of, I'm a very 100% person. Like, you give me 10% as a friend, I give you 100. But, and I learned a lot about people when I really needed them the most. And, you know, that was a really difficult lesson. But then I was like, okay, I need to step back a bit. I need to kind of be a bit more like, 
do things for me and stop, you know, like not to stop giving to people because I really, that's one thing I love. I'm very much a giver. I get satisfaction from helping people and being there for people. But there's got to be a give. Mm. And I've learned that especially when I was at a time where like I really needed people, the most important person that you can rely on is yourself. And I started to think, okay, being selfish in some respect when like you need to be is okay. And that was something that really didn't sit well with me. And I had to learn to be like, you need to do what's best for you. Learn to say no. Learn to, that is huge. That's one thing I've learned, yeah. which again was very difficult. Learn to say no and learn that it's okay to put yourself first when you really need to. And um, these last few months have really like taken a, a step back from a lot of things and really reevaluated like, okay, what do I want? What matters most? What matters most? What do I value? Um, and what do I, yeah, what do I value as what I need and what do I need in my life to get me through these next few months? Because gosh, when you do look back, yeah, it's been looming crazy. Yeah, it is. And I think we, we're both definitely people pleasers. Like it's in our DNA, literally. More so, hmm, okay, you pleaser. Maybe I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> I am more of a, like, I feel like I'm more of a, like, I want to look after people. Like I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm like, I enjoy being thoughtful. Like I, mm. I, I like, I, I get satisfaction. Hmm? It's your love language. It is. That is my love language. Yeah. yeah. I just, I just, I don't know. I just get satisfaction out of like, go win that 100% extra for someone. Yeah. But I've learned that you can't do that all it's the time. It's a tricky place to be, right? Because I, I'm the exact same. Like I, I love showing people that I love and my friends, I would like go out of my way to get them a coffee or to do something. Mm. But it's hard because not everyone's like that. And that's not, necessarily a bad thing on them it's just that they're different right but I used to be like well I'm, I bought I bought you a coffee and you've never done anything for me and it was like I'm not doing it for you to do it back but it would be nice do you know 100%. what I mean? 100% and what, one thing that has again been a lesson these last few months is that like is that expectation in the sense of like again like you said and that's the same for me I don't do that for people to, to expect it in return but then when you think about it it made me realise that okay not everyone thinks like you so like and like you can't expect people to think like you when they're not like that. Mm. That was hard for me because I'd be like, okay, well, I check in you all the time, or I do X, Y, and Z. Or, 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 like, you can't even give me a text. Or and it makes me think like, all right, it's just people are different, and yeah. that's okay. And it it needs you need to think about okay, do am I like can I tolerate that? Or can am I gonna like just make an exception for that or not? And if you can't, well, all right. Yeah. But that is what was one thing that did change my mindset a lot to be like, it's okay that people are different, but that just needs to make you think about, okay, do you let them in or not? Mm. And like, you, you, it's okay for you to take control of that. And it's okay if people don't add value to to your life and to what you need and the things you're going through, then it's okay to like take control of that and like make decisions based on what's best for you. And that is really hard. Like, that is a really hard thing to come to terms with. And, like, again, it is, like, yeah, it, it, that's quite overwhelming when you're going through something tough already. But I do think it's really powerful. Uh, and once, like, you really look back on it, I think, oh, my gosh, I've really grown as a person. Because well, a year ago, me, side, wouldn't have yeah. d- wouldn't have done I would have just tolerated the bullshit and and, yeah. and carried on. But you, you realise, gosh, that makes me feel so much better. Like, mm. you just, up, like, offloading things that... Um, need to be applauded yeah and like injuries are hard going through tough times is hard but when it's one thing I like I I, in a similar way like I like to look back at a year ago me like how would they have dealt with this situation because it's very easy to just purely when 
when like shit hits a fan essentially and like whether that's you've lose, lost your job you've done this that, and the other you've gotten injured you've lost your sense of identity it's very easy to only look at like the physical metrics of success so for us that would be have you hit your scores on your isokinetic test for your hamstrings and your quads like it's very easy for people to just focus on the physical things like are you progressing but actually far more so we've grown as people which yeah even when rugby's over and we're not athletes anymore we'll the the mindset thing is the thing that's going to stick with us and do you know what i mean like yeah i think it's the like I think that's what I've taken from this more than anything. And like, I've never, I never thought I'd feel, be in a position where I could, I could be like, God, I'm actually really proud of like yeah. how, how I feel like I've grown. And like, some people might not see that, but I don't really care anymore. And that's you cele- celebrating your successes. Yeah. And which I, I'm I don't, I don't really care because yeah. I know how I feel and I know how I used to feel and about certain things and how I used to think about certain things. And like, you know, people, like I said earlier, people question me like, Oh my gosh, how have you got through these? I'm like, I got through these last few months because of me. I got through these last few months because I knew, like, I learned how to cope with certain things and I knew I'd get through it. And there's bigger things and, like, you know, tougher things that people go through. And this is just, what, a few months, a little bumps bumps in the road. And, like, I've learned that, like, okay, how can I use this time instead of, you know, allowing myself to go into this little hole and feel sorry for myself? Um, And, again, like we said, a year ago, me... Gosh, I probably would have dealt with this a, a lot differently. But yeah, I've definitely appreciated how much it's allowed me to change my perspective and view on things and how it's allowed me to really grow Yeah, as a person. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most important reasons why we feel this podcast is so important because we've seen the the effect of growing as people like the effect that growing as people has had on our outlook and mindset and being able to have each other and like we mentioned before the other people that are going through similar things to us having those conversations openly with each other allows you to bounce things back and forth and to actually learn have that perspective on how different people see things understand that people are different because that's another thing that I've struggled with I used to think that everyone should think like me and my opinion was the only way but now I've come to realise that that's far from the truth and actually being open to learning what other people think is probably going to benefit me. Life's a team sport, as Drew says. (laughs) Um, And I think being able to facilitate those types of conversations with guests on this podcast is, one, going to be great for us to further our learning and our our development, but I'm intrigued to see how many people we can positively impact by being open and honest about these different subjects and showing, like you mentioned, that higher profile people or people that you deem to have a perfect lifestyle or to be living your dream actually literally could be going through the same things as you. Yeah, and I just think that like like going back to, um, you know, speaking about Wendo, it was just a real reality check that like, you know, people need to hear these stories. Like people need to hear that like they're not alone. And like, like I said, there's so many different topics and taboo subjects that really need to be spoken about and like this podcast is a perfect opportunity to, to do that and like I said at the beginning you know if you can change one person's life then why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do that and like the response I had from speaking out, out about my endo was really was life-changing for me and that's a big thing to say but it was because it really made me feel like I've got a duty and a responsibility to do something with this and okay, this is just one story and one one topic yeah. that needs to be spread awareness and think of all the things that, 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 all the other people that we can help through this, which is why 
yeah we've been really motivated to think and we we've been like kids at christmas like yeah. with the planning I'll and the ideas how do you describe and... me how do you describe me what when when you tell me ideas and then what do, oh, what do you she's describe like me a, as? she's like a bottle of pop right you know when you shake a bottle of pop you've got the lid on so it's like fizzing and it's like waiting to erupt and you unscrew the top and it just explodes everywhere that is gwen i feel like i have to really tone her down like right can you just calm down, please? You're getting too excited. You've got to slowly release the bottle. Yeah, that's, that's me. I'm the slow release and you're the, like, <laughs> erupting. That's why we contrast each other. But, yeah, um, I just think that this this is going to be something really cool um, and I really want it to be something that can be really useful and really helpful, helpful for people. Like, imagine being someone that is really struggling with something and they don't know who to turn to or don't know what to do. Like, to be able to give experiences and, and okay, this is what happened to me. This is how I dealt with it. These are the strategies that either helped me or didn't help me. This is what I struggled with. So people can relate to that. Uh, this is where you can go and find certain things. That, like being a helpful source. Yeah, um, yeah, it's resources yeah. basically, and that and that ah, bringing bringing things to light in the sense that genuinely people might not know that that people also go through the things that they're going yeah, well, through. Yeah, well, that's exactly how I felt. Here. Yeah, and that's why like, I didn't want to share my story about my endo because I didn't really realise it was a thing. I all, I all For so long that I was suffering, I didn't think that there was anything wrong with me and I was a bit in denial because I <laughs> didn't want people to think, oh, she's just making excuses. Yeah. And I spoke out about it and, oh, my God. And it, another, like, again, like this podcast, like it's crazy when you hear someone else share a story or someone says something that you can resonate with or you're going through the same thing you're like oh my god God, same and like it just makes you feel a little bit more normal and validated yeah because sometimes you go through things and you think am I making this up yeah yeah. and like for for the endo example like so many women women feel like that because they're not heard like so many people are going through this horrendous disease horrendous pains and no one's listened to them and like I've realized that Gosh, this this needs to be spoken about more. And like I said, like the things that we can speak about and and you know connect with people by sharing so many amazing people's stories is going to be hopefully really really powerful. And I just hope that we can help as many people as possible. Um, a motto that I've got that is a screensaver um, on my phone is "Be who you needed when you were younger." And I hope that doing something like this is really like giving just like justification to that quote because something that's really got me through some dark times and really made, like motivated me to, to keep striving to be something that I knew that I needed. Yeah. Preach it. I got <laughs> nothing else to add. That was outstanding. <laughs> well, I think we've just come to the end of yeah. our first podcast. Can yeah. you actually believe it? I didn't think we'd get this far. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, I did. Actually, no, I believed did. Enough. I did think we'd get this far, but it's crazy that it's we crazy have. It's crazy that it's happening. Like, d- for, for context, this was... This was an idea that Fionn came to me, I'm going to say, two weeks ago. No, two and a, three, three. I don't know, mine, because time's gone. I don't know, it's Quick. just gone. Maybe three weeks ago. It wasn't long this anyway, been, guys. This has been bubbling in Fionn's head for a while. And when Fionn came to me with the idea, it literally just clicked. Like, Well, Gwen works. Like, what would happen within three months? Gwen works within three days. Like, her mind doesn't shut off. So I'm like, trying to keep up with that speed. Yeah. Hence why this has happened like, faster. I, you know, my head, my my if I get get ideas, I'm like, hey, and this could happen. And then blah, blah, blah. This well, pencil this tattoo. This is what my brain. Zoom into that, please. <laughs> it's pretty, right? Um, yeah. And I just think, like, 
it just clicked like yeah. and well we I, were very nervous in coffee lab we were having a coffee and a chocolate croissant beforehand our palms are very sweaty <laughs> my, my palms um, it was like and it, it's weird because we've not played for a while now but I literally had ga- like yeah. game day butterflies I was like okay it's, it's our game day for you we're doing this like car loading and we're ready to go <laughs> ready to go um, um but yeah no I've I've loved it thanks yeah, for me. being my co-host oh, and this is hopefully gonna be something me. extremely exciting <laughs> um so we've do you want to explain i can't take out of this because this is gwen's tradition that she wants to bring into the pod okay so the ending tradition isn't it the yeah. outro tradition the outro tradition <laughs> um that was a mouthful outro tradition um yes so as i mentioned i really enjoy listening to podcasts so the fact that i'm actually sat here like this is making me very happy but um there is a closing tradition on the podcast the diary of a ceo with stephen bartlett which is one of my favorite podcasts um and he gets each guest to write a question for the next guest and i really like that because i think it's really interesting that you get one person's question and then get another person's perspective on it so we are going to lend said tr- tradition Replicate, replicate it exactly. slightly, slight change. Yes, alter it. Yeah, alter, alter <laughs> it. Um, would you like to continue to explain? Well, what what would you like to leave our next guest? Okay, I actually don't know because we never find <laughs> Great, but at the end of the podcast, <laughs> she doesn't even know what she wants to leave. What do you just want me to say anything? Well. Well, what, what do you want to leave? What, what question? It's hard because you know what the next guest, who the next yeah, guest I know. is. I know. Which, which, in context, the guests won't know who are on next. Yeah, they won't so know who they're leaving the question. question to, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we're also going to write the we question. We can start. Well, how about we start with a, with a, you know, standard? What three pieces of advice would you give your younger self? Yeah, I like that. How does that sound? One one piece of advice. It's pretty hard because so, I think a lot of our guests will have a lot of life experience. Um, we got this little scrapbook yeah. that we're going to be taking a Polaroid photo in and then yeah. the guests can write the, answer to the, the answers to. And then we've got a little keepsake of every guest we've got and each question, which would be really cool to be able to see all the different answers. Yeah, so our next episode, we'll have a guest. That'll Ooh, be... How exciting! I, know, that, that, <laughs> I think that's when it really starts to get really real because it's like... Real lifestyle. Like, yeah, for real. Um, but yeah thank you very much for listening yeah hope you enjoyed yeah and uh, we'll see you next time okay, we're, we're gonna have to learn to get better at this bye-bye thing. <laughs> it's, no, it's a work in progress in all seriousness we really hope that you enjoyed the podcast um hope we could help in any way we can and like i said the focus for us is just really normalizing really difficult um honest conversations and yeah sharing things that need to be shared more Thank you very much, Gwen Crab. Thank you very much, Fiona Lewis. And remember, keep saying it how it is. <laughs> Peace out, people. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Please like, follow, and subscribe to make sure you stay up to date and say it how it is. And don't forget to share these conversations with the people you think it may help the most. You'll find all of ours and our guest social media handles linked in the show notes below. We can't wait to see you all next week. And remember, Keep saying it how it is.